Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, or Mid-East Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Fears of a potential military conflict with Iran may have opened the door to a Saudi-Iranian dialogue against the backdrop of a rethink of U.S. military logistics, involving at least a gradual partial relocation to the United States of command and control operations based in the Gulf for almost four decades. The relocation does not necessarily signal a reduced U.S. commitment to the defense of the strategic energy-rich region, even if it comes amid Gulf suspicions that the United States is gradually withdrawing from the Middle East. Nonetheless, the move, officially intended to reduce the vulnerability of U.S. military assets to a potential Iranian strike without decreasing the United States' operational capability, is bolstering a rethink in capitals across Eurasia, including Moscow, Beijing, Tokyo, New Delhi, Abu Dhabi, and Riyadh, about possible alternative, more collective, and multilateral security arrangements in the Gulf. The arrangements would involve the Gulf states, Russia, China, the U.S., the European Union, and India, as well as other stakeholders, a likely reference to Iran. By necessity, it would require a lowering of tension in the region and a degree of accommodation between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi, speaking days after Iranian President Hassan Rouhani proposed a security arrangement that would be limited to countries in the region, urged Gulf states to establish a platform for dialogue and consultation, in which countries from outside the region would play a role in maintaining security in the region. In a variation on the theme, Narayan Appa Janardhan, a prominent Indian Gulf researcher at the UAE's Emirates Diplomatic Academy, suggested that a new regional security architecture should be Asian-led. Mr. Trump's transactional approach towards foreign and defense policies in which countries are expected to shoulder their fair burden and pay for U.S. defense services, coupled with the president's long-standing assertion that China and others dependent on energy supplies from the Gulf are free-riding beneficiaries of the U.S. defense umbrella, as well as his withdrawal early in his presidency from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, a regional trade pact, has sparked doubts across Asia about the wisdom of depending on the United States for their energy security. In a sense, the Gulf states and Asian nations are in a bind. The United States may no longer be reliable, but despite the various calls for a new security arrangement, few realistically see an alternative. Having just spent three days in Moscow, I'm convinced the Russians haven't the faintest clue how to operate any architecture in the Gulf, let alone a security architecture, tweeted Gulf scholar Michael Stevens. Concern about a potential Iranian strike has mounted in the wake of last month's drone and missile attacks on two key 
Saudi oil installations. The United States and Saudi Arabia suspect that Iran was responsible for the attacks. Iran is warned that military retaliation by the United States and or the kingdom would spark a war that would spread to the Gulf, including Iranian targeting of installations in the region. Mr. Trump's cautious reaction to the attacks, coupled with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's stated preference for a non-military response, constitute the latest developments in recent months that have opened the door to a Chinese-backed Russian proposal for a collective security arrangement. Saudi and Iranian leaders, in a gleam of hope that the two countries may be inching towards one another, expressed an interest in recent days in resolving issues politically rather than militarily. The political and peaceful solution is much better than the military one, Prince Mohammed told CBS News when asked about a possible military response to the attacks on the kingdom's oil assets. Iranian parliament Speaker Ali Larijani responded, saying, The doors of Iran are open. A Saudi-Iranian dialogue can solve many of the region's security and political problems. In a further hopeful development, Saudi Arabia was reported to be considering a partial ceasefire in Yemen. Earlier, the Houthis declared a unilateral halt to the fighting. Mr. Larijani said, Iran was advising the Houthis to accept whatever ceasefire was on offer. At the same time, Iraq suggested that it had established a back channel between Riyadh and Tehran. The Saudis have conditions before the negotiations process starts, and the same with Iranians. We have liaised these conditions to each side. It is not easy to get together two opposite sides in terms of their ideology, sect, and their alliances in the region, said Abbas al-Hasnawi, an official in the office of Iraqi President, Prime Minister Adel Abdul Mahdi. Saudi Arabia's conditions are that Iran minimize its role in Yemen and Syria and stop supporting armed groups such as the Houthis. It also asks the Syrian regime to solve its problems with the Syrian opposition groups and to write a constitution for Syria with all parties agreeing on it, the official said. If there will be a potential deal in the region that includes Yemen, Syria, and Iraq, the Americans have no problem with that, Mr. Hasnawi added. While there is every reason to be skeptical, despite the noise that Saudi Arabia and Iran are nearing resolving their differences, talk of dialogue and calls for Yemen ceasefire suggest that Iran's strategy of strategic escalation may be producing results. Iran moved earlier this year away from its initial strategic patience response to the U.S. withdrawal from the 2015 International Agreement curbing the Islamic Republic's nuclear program to a strategy of gradual escalation. Escalation tactics include a step-by-step breaching of the accord and a more aggressive asymmetric military posture involving the seizing of a British vessel that was released last week 
alleged attacks on tankers off the coast of the United Arab Emirates and the attacks on the Saudi oil facilities, said Eldar Mamadov, an advisor to the Social Democrats in the European Parliament's Foreign Affairs Committee. The sequence of events shows that thus far, <laughs> the Iranian strategy of calculated counter-escalation is working. By escalating on its own, Iran forced a number of key players to change their cost-benefit calculus. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.